I hear this so often whereby candidate consultants who are obviously interested in going to one of the top firms, or any firm for that matter, talk to me about how they want to go in and help General Electric with their problems and Ford fix their problems and all manner of private sector companies from around the world. We just love quoting the Fortune 500. It amazes me up to this day how few people want to do public sector consulting work. And to some extent I can understand the apprehension to do public sector work, but on the other hand I also struggle to to understand. And I'll tell you why, because the reasons people cite for doing public for not wanting to do public sector work is usually incorrect. And a lot of it is based on the experience of doing public sector work in the so called Westing or em- Western or emerged nations. So what do I mean by that? If you look at public sector work in developed economies like the United States, um, Canada, and so on, the work tends to be highly regulated. The governments tend to have lower budgets, so they're not undertaking as ambitious projects as they could. The process of getting feedback and public input is a very long, drawn-out process. The projects are obviously broken up. Strategy projects are broken up into many different stages, whereby you do an initial piece of analysis, get feedback, do an initial piece, feedback, and so on. It becomes quite a, a process. But secondly, most of the economy has been privatized. So the chance to do really exciting work has disappeared. And most of what you got left to do is basic audit-related work, sometimes some competitiveness studies, and if you're lucky, it's an IT implementation for the tax department. And when people think about public sector, they're basically thinking about public sector work in the developed markets. Now, it's very different in the emerging markets, but let's just go through some of the types of public sector work, um, why it gets a bad rap, and then we'll continue talking through some actual engagements that I've been on to give you some understanding of the of the quantity and the impact and just the just amazing things that the public sector is doing worldwide, definitely outside of the developed economies. So you get basically four different types of public sector work and different people will classify this different ways, but I've split them this way because I think they make the most sense in the terms of the companies targeting them. You get work done for national governments, which is whereby you've been appointed by the government of Brazil to come up with a strategy for their mining sector, for example. You get regional public sector work whereby you're doing work at a federal level, for example, the state of Iowa or a province in Canada or a province in South Africa or an Um, province in Brazil and so on. The exciting work is where you do work for state-owned enterprises. These are fully incorporated enterprises, usually some of the largest companies in the world like Sinopec, Gazprom, Petrobras and so on. Monsters, you know, multi-billion dollar companies. Some of them have revenue up to 90-80 billion dollars that are owned by the state but are managed as private sector entities and they are busy expanding all over the world. By far the most interesting work. Very few of these companies actually exist in the West. They're very common in France, obviously, because the French own a lot of the private sector. A few exist in Canada. They're not so common at all in the United States, although a few do exist. One or two in the UK. But basically in the West, whereby private sector is well-developed, private sector m- runs most of the large part of industry. Over in the emerging markets, state-owned enterprises dominate. Brazil, Chile, Russia, India, South Africa, China... Vietnam, Indonesia, state-owned enterprises are usually the largest companies, even Turkey. And finally, what I call initiatives, whereby the fourth segment of private sector work is whereby the Department of Taxes wants to roll out an initiative to improve its um, its efficiencies on its IT systems or its debt collection services. 
interesting but very operational driven work. Now, why do these projects get a bad rap? The first reason I gave you is because when most people think of state-owned enterprises work or public sector work, they think of the very boring drudgery done in the West whereby, because most of the state's assets have been privatized, what's left is basically a skeleton around taxes, tourism, and the work's pretty boring and mundane, right? A tourism strategy for a tourism agency that whose job is to incite or invite the private sector to get involved is not as exciting as doing the tourism strategy, for example, the Brazilian government, which has a major you know, say and impact and the funds to deploy into developing regions. In the West, you do the strategy, nothing will happen because the agency in the West can only invite private sector players to get involved. So very mundane work. The other reason is that in the West, a lot of the, if you look at the, the, the segregation of power in the West, a lot of municipalities and towns can hire their own consultants and have the resources to do it. So public sector in the work, if you add up all the spend in the West, comes from smaller towns, smaller munici municipalities, who obviously are not going to be inviting McKinsey to do a multi-million dollar strategy, but they will invite someone like PwC to do, to do a $10,000 audit of their strategy, or invite uh, Accenture to do a $50,000 audit of their IT system for payroll and so on. So the bulk of the work in absolute numbers in the West is for municipalities, and if you add those all up, it also becomes the majority of public sector spend. The other point here is that fees can be heavily drawn down in the public sector, which is the truth. You know, it's not as if you're doing work for a bank and you know it's a private sector client. You can charge healthy margins and get away with it. If you're doing work in the public sector, pretty much the fees you charge are going to be made publicly available in most cases, especially in the West. And those would then be open for auditing or even open for the press accessing them. Even in emerging markets, I mean, most public sector entities or state-owned enterprises would have to make the consulting fees uh, available to the, to the media. Finally, there's also a huge accountability issue, which is linked to making fees available. If you are working for a... Uh, for the public sector, whatever you do is accountable to the people, and the people have usually put in place some kind of audit committee who looks at things on their behalf. And if you're spending like $5 and a cup of coffee when you should only be spending 50 cents, those things come out. And I remember a case in Canada where um, some consultants were cited for spending, I think it was $2 and a cup of coffee when they should have been spending $1, and I think they were dismissed. The point is those kind of things can weigh down heavily in a consulting firm which is trying to avoid um, bad publicity. And finally, in most, but not all, public sector agencies, the quality of people is not as high. So, you know, the public sector is trying to operate for the good of the people. So more often than not, but definitely not always, they tend to take in people and not willing to dismiss them once their quality drops. So as a consulting firm working on, for example, a project in the public sector and you have to deal with the client to collect information, the quality of people you're going to end up interacting with can operate on the range of being geniuses to people who may not even have finished high school. And all of those things makes life difficult for, for consultants. But the reality is private sector work is the same. I mean, I've worked in projects in the private sector whereby we'd be doing a project and, you know, they, they, we'd be doing a strategy project for an organization, a Fortune 10 company, and someone lower down the organization like a, a strategy manager is busy out putting out an RFP for a $30,000 project because 
he wants someone else to come in and do an audit for him. So the point is that in the private sector, yes, you get these big projects, but you probably get even more little projects that are parceled out to smaller firms. Fees can be, you know, fees are a drag. Yes, fees are a drag. It's not always that you can go to a private sector client and say, hey, you know, this is our fee, take it or leave it. It is a negotiation process. Depending on who you are reporting into, if you're brought in by the board and the CEO, yes, you can get away with it. But many few, very few companies are brought in at that level. Even McKinsey and BCG at times are brought in at the, you know, vice president level, sorry, at the divisional leader, divisional president level to address an issue. And finally, there is huge accountability at all levels of the organization. Just because in the public sector, your work is going to be made public doesn't mean that in the private sector, your work is going to remain private. I mean, in the, in the private sector, you they can afford these huge armies of auditors to go over consulting expenditure, which they do. I mean, I've been in projects where Deloitte is busy analyzing the amount of expenditure the consultants have been spending on different items. I remember being in a particular project where an auditing firm pointed out that the consulting expenditure is making up 10% of the capital costs of this particular division. And you know, one way to save money is to just kill the consultants. And I remember this became a huge issue within the company. Why so much money was being spent? Point the end of the day, everything worked out, but you have to defend yourself just in a different forum. Quality of people, I don't know if you've ever worked in the public sector, but not everyone's a genius. And the same way the private sector, very few people are geniuses. A lot of people don't deserve to be there. A lot of people are not good at their jobs. The point is there's no differences. If you're going to be working with really poor people in the public sector, you're going to be working with even worse people in the private sector who may have a chip on their shoulder. So having worked in both private sector and public sector projects in both the Western economies and the so-called emerging economies, I would any day want to work for the so-called state-owned enterprises in the emerging markets because I find them to be dynamic, doing exciting things. Imagine if Gazprom decides to build its pipeline through Turkey or Poland, well, either way, you're going to get a very wealthy country and you're going to get an impoverished country. So it has a huge impact on the economics of entire regions. So what I'm going to do is, I mean, just... Finally, why why public sector work is so exciting before I talk about specific projects? Well, firstly, they're exciting in the emerging markets if you're, doing with, you're dealing with state-owned enterprises because state-owned enterprises have the revenue to do big things. If Sinopec wants to get access to an oil field somewhere in, I don't know, let's say... Um, Baku in Russia, they can do it. They have the capital to put in place a port and a pipeline and they can make it happen. So things move in the emerging market state-owned enterprises. Secondly, the level of impact is enormous, whether it's state-owned enterprises or not. And the fact is, whatever decision you are going to make is going to immediately affect all of the citizens of that country, for better or worse. I mean, if you imp if you worked on a project for an electricity utility and you imposed, let's say, a dubious pricing strategy to price gas that is consumed in homes, immediately people are affected. And it has a big impact. Secondly, the competitiveness of nations rises and falls on how their state-owned enterprise and how their public sector performs. And by you doing a project and whether you're opening up a whole new sector like the oil industry or the gas industry or making the tax collection system more efficient, you are impacting the competitiveness of a nation and the well-being of a nation. Finally, if you like this kind of thing, you, the work you do is all over the news. Of course, it may never be named that you have been appointed to do it. Sometimes it is, but nonetheless, it's all over the news. I've been involved in so many public sector projects and every time I read the local press it's there. This is happening, the government is doing this or a state-owned enterprise is doing this. They brought in consultants, sometimes we're named, sometimes we're not named, but the point is it's a huge debate across the country in terms of what impact we are going to have. And finally, if a private enterprise like General Electric fails, sure a few people are put out of a job, but a nation doesn't collapse.
if the tax division of say the Philippines implements a bad strategy that causes them to collapse or fail or do a dubious job in the sense that they fail to collect 50% of the taxes they were able to collect. The nation suffers for the long term. We've seen what happened in Greece. We've seen what's happening in Europe. Sure, a lot of it has to do with individual decisions, but a lot of it has to do with public sector strategies that have been implemented by those governments in the sense of the amount of debt they've been willing to take on. And a lot of that is driven by individual decisions made by departments. So, for example, you know, the, the debt that is held by Greece is not held by Greece as some homogenous mass. It's held by Greece because the decision was made to bail out the Postal Service. A consultant advised the Postal Service who said that the Postal Service should be bailed out. That debt had to go somewhere and it eventually accumulated on Greek's balance sheet. And the point is, this is the way decisions made in the public sector roll up to impact an entire nation's destiny. And if you look back at all the decisions made to you know, advise national governments, the ones who've done well and the ones who've done badly, you can pinpoint consulting projects that led to that. And I'm going to talk about three specific projects I've done. Uh, not in too much detail, I do want to you know, protect confidentiality, so, but enough to get you to understand the issues at stake and why I enjoyed them. One is in Latin America, we are in Brazil, and we did a power sector project for one of the transmission companies. And we were brought in to understand how this transmission company should respond to to a booming middle class, booming industrial base, and the fact that the infrastructure investments made over the last, say, 20 years were lacking. And now the transmission company wanted to know what should they do to move forward. And the interesting thing about this transmission company is it was managed as a cash cow, right? So the way it worked is that the generations companies, which were you know siphoning off electricity from the Amazon rainforest, had to use transmission companies to transport their power to the industrial sites and to the municipalities and cities like Rio de Janeiro. So the transmission companies had pretty much a fixed um, market. They never invest in it. They knew people were going to buy their services and they basically let their infrastructure degrade and they milked it. So no investments were being made in transmission, but they were expanding into all other kinds of businesses. And what happened at the end of the day is that it kind of snuck up on them, but not really. They just didn't care, I would say. And they reached a point whereby the country was running out of power. Blackouts were taking place across parts of Brazil and the transmission network couldn't really handle the power demands placed on it. And we were brought in to understand firstly, given all the need for power around the regions whereby this municipality worked, where should it prioritize its capital spend? How much should it spend? Who should build it? I mean, should the, munis should the transmission company build the transmission lines itself? Or should it outsource this to engineering companies around the world? Secondly, does it have the resources to build it? How does it bring the resources in? It's a very difficult decision because you've got about eight different sites which all need power yesterday. And we would then decide, okay, if we decide sites A, B, C get their power first, what impact does it have on the state in Brazil for sites D, E, F, G, H not getting their power? We had to work out the macroeconomic impact. We had to work out the decline in living standards if no power came through lack of investment. And we had to make a call and say, okay, based on the analysis we made, we're going to recommend that the transmission lines linking sites A, B, D, F, G are going to be built by the transmission company immediately. Sites, whatever, will be built later, second phase, but will be built by the private sector. And sites, or maybe... M will be built in the third phase but will be funded by the government. Now imagine going off and telling your clients, look, we know you're important, 
but we decided not to give you power in the next two years and these are the reasons so you know you have to do a quite a careful economic analysis and it's never about what's good for the transmission company although it is what's good for the transmission company but you've got to position it as what is good for the Brazil as a whole for that state within Brazil and by not what's best for anyone but how you minimize the most negative impact a very complex analysis to do in terms of price elasticity how investments would change what is most likely going to happen to the industrial companies there where would they migrate would they build their own generators if they build their own generators what would be the cost to their businesses what would be the cost to Brazil's image and so on it was a very very difficult project but we enjoyed it we enjoyed it because we knew what was doing is what we were doing is going to have a big impact it was not as if a project we did was just going to lie on a shelf somewhere no one is going to Implemented. We knew that this was going to be implemented because the client needed to make a decision immediately. We did another very interesting project for an Eastern European company before they joined the European Union. And what this uh, country wanted to do is that they had seen what had happened to other countries, weaker countries joining the European Union, smaller countries in Eastern Europe. And they realized that if they joined the European Union unprepared to compete against British especially German and Austrian companies, when the walls went down, this tidal wave of German, Austrian and British you know, manufacturing superiority would just wipe away their own industry. So they said, before we join the European Union, we want to understand how do we make ourselves more competitive as a nation. Secondly, within making ourselves more competitive, we want to identify those sectors where we stand a chance against the the rest of the European Union champions and within those sectors which companies do you identify will help us position ourselves to be successful so we had to go in and do this entire study to understand when the walls came down and they did join the European Union all the tariffs fell which sectors were about to be hit heavily by foreign competition European Union competition which ones wouldn't make it which ones couldn't make it and of the sectors that exist in the country which ones had a chance to be European or pan-European champions. Once we identify the sectors, we identify what we could do to strengthen the sectors, not protect the sectors, very important, but how we could strengthen it to make them more resilient. In some cases, it means actually getting the sectors, identifying the sector champions. For example, if it was a textile, textile sector, identify the 10 top textile companies in the sector and go out and meet them and try to identify how we could strengthen them. So it's basically working with the government as a client and helping companies become much more effective and much more efficient. And over the course of about two to three years, help these companies become more resilient, help them build an expansion strategy. So when the walls did come down, not only did these companies sort of arrive that tsunami, but they actually rode it all the way to open up branches in Germany and the UK and become very successful. That was one of the best projects I ever did. Enjoyed it immensely. And it was a very challenging project because at any point in time, the European government, the European Union could have said this is a form of protectionism. You were deliberately helping companies um, by giving them incentives and some kind of subsidy. So we had to be very careful in the way we did this. We had to show how each of these investments made by the state in these companies would have a real payback. And not just make it appear they had a real paper but had a real paper because if the state sponsored all these initiatives and they failed then automatically the country would become you know totally uncompetitive and be wiped away when they joined the European Union so in this particular case you know there's a lot at stake because unlike most projects whereby you're just dealing with one particular company in an emerging market yeah you're dealing with the fabric of the emerging market it was a very exciting project actually one of the few projects that I really have a fond memories of 
Another project I did in Vietnam, where we were working for a foreign bank that wanted to enter the Vietnamese market uh, in microfinance. And interestingly enough, they had already entered, but they had entered to a number of third-party companies, and they wanted to now exit those relationships and and uh, put in their own brand and their own branches. And we had to come in and determine whether it made sense for them to be able to leverage maximum profit from the Vietnamese market by entering with their own brand and own a banking infrastructure or partnering with other providers and they simply were the engines. So for example, other companies would own the branches and you know mortar and so on, but these guys would, pr- would, would run the, the engine of that banking operation and take a cut of it. Very interesting project because it's not a model that's common. I mean, most banks would want to launch their um, infrastructure into an economy and put up their brand everywhere so everyone can see it. And this guys came up with quite an interesting uh, option whereby they wouldn't put their brand up everywhere, but they would power the uh, retail banking operations of local players. And it was very unusual because we couldn't actually do many benchmarks. It was an unusual model. We had never seen it before. And before we even started the options, we have to understand why these two options. You know, Are there any other options? What about um, launching in the Vietnam but a scaled-down version of a retail bank, maybe just branches in the major cities, or maybe just wealth management for just the most wealthy people, or maybe just retail branches for middle-income people but no wealth management. So we had to come up with different options. But ultimately, we came what we call branded and no branded. You, know, you, you go in guns blazing, different variation of guns blazing, but guns blazing. Or the other one is you go in, but someone else's guns are blazing and you sort of giving them the ammunition. And the interesting thing about this project is that when we did the analysis, we realized both options didn't make sense. And it was hard to tell the client that, look, the model you have now is not sustainable because in the next 10 years, the people you are working with, are definitely going to learn all the skills that you are supposedly providing that gives you a competitive advantage. The ability to process loans, you know, understand credit profiles, ability to manage risk. Yes, you have a competitive advantage here, but they're learning it quickly. Five years, 10 years maximum, they're going to replicate this and there'll be no reason for you to be here. So definitely this model is not going to work for the long term. And if it's not going to work in the long term, you have to start exiting it today because it's going to take you that long to build a long-term franchise in this in this country. And then we told them, well, you can't build a long fran- franchise in this country because you can't, the market's not large enough to support another player. If you want to get in here yourself, you have to buy one of the people you are currently uh, partnering with. And eventually they couldn't buy who they were partnering with because the Japanese bank swapped in and did the buying for them. But the point is this, it's one of the few times where you do a project and tell a client, look, what you want to do is not possible. So, a big state-owned bank and telling them it's not possible, they were not happy about it, but at the end of the day, the numbers made sense. The Japanese bank that actually bought in struggled a little bit because they didn't understand the credit side of the market. You know, They assumed that the bank that they had bought understood this when it was actually the client doing it. Basically, a very bad due diligence system from that client, which we weren't involved in. It didn't work out very well. But as this power sector project, doing the competitive strategy for this Eastern European country and this Asian Development Bank project points out, public sector work is interesting. And I think, you know, when you're thinking about doing public sector work, you should always keep this in the back of your head that the work can be fulfilling, it can be exciting, and it's certainly not as boring as people make it out to be. I would say if I had to go back, I would probably want to do more public sector work in emerging markets for state-owned enterprises. Thank you.